Welcome to the Pastor Nora King Podcast. We're confident that the message you're about to hear will enhance and empower your life in God. Now, here's Pastor Nora. Now, I want to read to you some quotes and what I consider God's generals, okay? Can I do that? Can we just begin and start that way? Now, this is from D. uh, Halesby, and he said this, If the church would stand together on its knees, it would dominate world politics. You see, I don't believe that politicians, and I don't believe terrorists, and I don't believe that people that are sinister should rule the world. I think that God's people should arise, if you will, to the position of prayer and take that and make some things change and happen. But you see, the church is anemic when it comes to prayer. But I'm telling you, God wants to impart the power to pray, and He has. And Ian Bound said this, The prayers of God's saints are the capital stock in heaven by which Christ carries on His great work upon the earth. You see, it's through prayer that God does work in the earth. No prayer, there's not much gets done in the earth. But if you pray, God can move on uh, in the affairs of man. Now, someone said this. He said, history belongs to the intercessor. History belongs to the intercessor. What does that mean? That means that as an intercessor, one that stands between man and God has the power uh, uh, to change what happens in the earth, the events that happen in the earth. And if you see yourself that way, then you will be able to be a history changer. Intercessors are enforcers of God's will upon the earth. I'm going to say that again. Intercessors are enforcers of God's will upon the earth. If you think the devil is going to stand still and just let the will of God be done upon the earth without an intercessor or a person to stand in the gap, it's not going to happen. God's got to have a man. The Bible says in the book of Ezekiel, I looked for a man. I sought. I was looking everywhere, looking for a man. I sought a man to stand in the gap and make up the hedge, but what? I found none. Now, that's a sad uh, thing, isn't it? See, God is seeking people to stand in the gap and make up the hedge. Now, sometimes... We're so willing, you know, when it comes to our family, you know, we'll, you know, we'll pray, we'll intercede, we'll do what it takes there, maybe. But then even sometimes at that, we just stand around and we allow things to happen. We allow the devil to just come in and wreak havoc. It can happen in a church. You know, we just see the devil coming in. We see him tearing up things. We see him deceiving people. We see him just trying to uh, 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 deceive them and, and take people out of the church and take them to hell. And we just stand there and don't do anything. But you see, we are enforcers of God's will. Is it God's will for people to be deceived in your church? Is it God's will for people to backslide in your church? No, it isn't. And so we are enforcers and we can stand in the gap and we can make up the hedge and we can make a difference in what happens in in the lives of the people that are around us. You see, that's what Jesus did. Jesus had an influence over a group of people. 
And every one of us have an influence over a group of people. And the group of people that I have influence over is not the same group that you have influence over. But if we will take that, Jesus said, the people, the men that you have given me, You see, God has given you a realm of influence that you can pray and intercede for. And if you don't do that, maybe nobody's going to do it. You see, we're a lot of times we're busy, you know, even, you know, maybe looking over here and looking over there and it's right underneath their nose and God's saying, pray, intercede, enforce my word, pray my will here and see some things change and see some things happen. Amen. Prayer is getting ourselves attuned to God, not getting God attuned to us. And you see, that's a great saying. That was Oswald Chambers. And we need to think about that. It's getting attuned to God. When you get in your prayer closet, it's not just going in there and praying da-da, 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 da-da. Unless you know ta-da, ta-da, ta-da is what God has said. See, we need to get attuned to God in the prayer closet. Now, I don't mean to get flaky there because if you see it in the words, you need to pray it. I'm not saying that you can't pray unless God gives you, you know, every little thing to pray. Some things you read in the Bible, you know to pray. I pray, Lord, that this person that I'm lifting up to you right now will be strengthened with all might in the inner man. I pray that the eyes of their understanding will be enlightened, that they'll know the hope of your calling. You see, there's some things you know to pray and you pray, but maybe, you know, as you're straying, you can get back in tune with God, get attuned to what the Spirit is saying, attuned to what God is saying. It's not getting God attuned to us. God, I want you to do this and I want you to do that. There's a place for those kinds of things. But I can tell you, if that's all our prayer time is about and not getting ourselves in line with God, then we're shortchanging ourselves. The next quote that Oswald Chambers, prayer does not equip us for greater works. Prayer is the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. There was a monk, I think it was around the 16th or 17th century, And he talked about, he coined a phrase, and it was ora labora. And you know what that means? Pray and work. But what we want to do is labora ora. We want to work and then pray. We want to try to work it all out, get everything in line, you know, get every T crossed, every I dotted, and then, you know, then it'll be all right. But God said, no, before you start the work, pray. How many of you know that's not easy to do? That's not easy, Andrea, to do because what I want to do is I see a task. I see something that needs to be done. Bless God, I'm on it. But you know what? If I don't take time to pray before I get on it, I may have a bushel basket of problems that I wouldn't have had to deal with if I would pray first. The greater work is prayer that the church has to do. We are to pray and then do the work. You see, some people, they like that aura part. Oh, yeah, let's just pray. I did say aura labora, just like that French monk did. And that is pray and then work. And don't get it out of order. Amen? amen. So prayer is the greater work. Can you say amen? amen? Now, there's some men that were called three-a-day prayers. 
Three-a-day prayers. Do you know what three-a-day prayers meant? It meant that they prayed three hours every day. I don't know about you, but that convicts me because I sure don't pray three hours a day. I don't, know, I don't know very many people who do pray three hours a day. But when I began to read about these men, it really inspired me. And so I thought, well, I'm just going to bring that to you tonight and we're going to look at it. Uh, David Brainerd, and he lived from 1718 to 1747. He was a pioneering missionary to the Native Americans. And his journal, uh, de- journals detail reliance on prayer for protection and direction in the wilderness. Can you imagine that? Being uh, in the wilderness with the Native Americans and with all uh, the rough country and wild animals and everything else, he had to pray for protection and direction. This morning I spent two hours in secret duties and was enabled more than ordinarily to agonize for immortal souls. Though it was early in the morning, the sun scarcely shined at all, yet my body was quite wet with sweat. Another man I want to look at is George Mueller. How many of you have heard of George Mueller? He lived from 1805 to 1898. Now, he was an English pastor, and he was also an evangelist to children. And he had orphanages. And I remember so many times I've read a book about him, and he would uh, be out of food. He would have that house full of orphans and have no food for the orphans. And he would start praying. And when he would pray, he would get the kids to pray with him. And then they would just wait a few minutes and there'd come a knock on the door and here would come bags and boxes of groceries to feed those kids. I mean, he was quite a man of faith. Says through prayer alone, he relied on God to provide for his ministry to tens of thousands of orphans. Just think about that. And saw more than 7 million come. Big money in his days. Think about it in the 1800s. 7 million? I believe you can learn something from this man, don't you? Amen. R.A. Torrey wrote this about George Mueller. When it was laid upon George Mueller's heart to pray for anything, he would search the Scriptures to find if there was some promise that covered the case. Sometimes he would search the Scriptures for days before he presented his petition to God. And then he, uh, when he found the promise with his open Bible before him and his finger upon that promise, he would plead that promise. And so he received what he asked for. He always prayed with an open Bible before him. Isn't that great? One last one here, E.M. Bounds. Now, many of you have read books by E.M. Bounds. He lived uh, from 1835 to 1915. Now, we're talking about men who prayed three hours a day, okay? Pastor, revivalist, Civil War chaplain. He relied on prayer to sustain him on the battlefields and to bring revivals to churches ravaged by war. W.H. Hodge, later Bounds' assistant, saw his prayer life up close when he gave Bounds lodging during a revival. I was surprised early next morning to see a man bathing himself before day and then see him get down and begin to pray. I said to myself, he will not disturb us, but will soon finish. He kept softly for hours, interceding and weeping softly. For me and my indifference and for all the ministers of God, next morning he was up again praying, and for ten days he was up early Uh, praying for hours, I became intensely interested and thank God for sending him. At last I said, I have found a man 
that really prays. I tell you what, we hear a lot about prayer in our day, but we don't see and experience a lot of people that pray. I'm going to tell you there's something about prayer. Uh, prayer, now I'm standing up here tonight and I'm teaching and I'm exhorting on prayer and that's good and we need that. But do you know that prayer is more caught than taught? I've had a number of people over the lots of years that I've led prayer meetings, taught on prayer, and then have a prayer meeting follow that. And I've had many people say, that anointing that is upon you to pray has come upon me. I've had many people that have told me that. Now, what am I saying that for? So I'm bragging? No, because that, I, you know, I can't make anything happen. I didn't ask God to give me an anointing for prayer. He brought it to me and He gave it to me. I'm, I know many years ago in probably 1979, I, was, I had been on a, a time, Eddie and I had been on an extended time of fasting and prayer. And at the end of that fast, uh, we broke the fast, we ate dinner, and uh, I went into a place of prayer. And when I entered into a place of prayer, God began to minister to me about a ministering spirit, an angel, if you will, that was given to help me in prayer. I don't think it was just me personally. I think it has to do with this ministry and the outreach and everything that we do. But you see, He didn't just give it to me for me. He gave it to me so I could share it with those people who would come under... Uh, the covering of this local church, you see. And so that night when that angel came, I want to tell you, um, you know, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Holy Spirit were in my life, but I was just new. You know what I'm saying? I was new and a lot of supernatural things just really scared me. They really did because I didn't have a full understanding and knowledge. I loved the Lord with all of my heart. And I remember that night that when that angel came, I was kneeling at the foot of my bed and I can still see it now. I looked over to where my dresser was and it was like at the end of that dresser, I looked up and I saw those tall legs of that angel and they were girded in gold. And the knees were not at the normal place your knees would be because this was a big angel. You see, either I saw that or I didn't, but I did. And the night that that angel came was when God came to me to give me a special anointing for prayer. And see, God wants us to be prayers. He wants us to stand in the gap and make up the hedge. Amen? Amen. I want you to take your Bible and I want you to turn with me uh, to Luke 11. Luke and chapter 11. You know, I could just go so many different ways and I, I don't know really where we'll end up tonight, but we're just going to talk about some things about prayer and, and believe God to do some things to help us. Amen? Let's look at Luke 11 and verse number 1. <clears throat> And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, this is talking about Jesus, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. Now I want us to look at that for just a moment. 
And it came to pass that as he was praying, you see, if you look at Jesus' life, you see that there were many times that Jesus pulled himself aside to pray. Isn't that correct? We need to follow the same example. On a regular basis, we need to pull ourselves apart to pray. Now, I like what it says here. As he was praying in a certain place. Do you know that God wants you to have a place of prayer? You know, have you ever moved into a new home and it took you a little while before you could find that place where you could sit down to read the Word and maybe have a place where you could pray? I have, and it's an awkwardness, and it may take you a little while. But every one of us needs to have the place of prayer here that Jesus had. Now, I was thinking about this, and you remember when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane? See, in the Garden... What else happened in the garden significantly? Well, that was when the covenant was broken with man. You remember that? Satan came in. Satan came in and deceived the man and the covenant was broken and Jesus had to, uh, God had to do some things to bring a way back for mankind. So see, in the garden is where the devil came in. But when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane, guess what? That's where the breakthrough came. It was a place of prayer. Jesus had to pray the price before he could pay the price. And many times we can't, quote, pay the price. Now, I'm not talking about paying for what Jesus redeemed us from, but there are times that God wants us to enter into a, a special place with him. He's got special ministry for us. He's got breakthroughs for us. But we can never get there because we can never... Uh, get to that place to where we pay the price in prayer. I'm not talking about that you purchase anything. That's not what I'm saying. There's a place of getting prepared. There's a place for God preparing you. And it's, it's that sweet place of prayer with God. But you see, evidently, the disciples were looking at Jesus they were looking at him and they saw something about him that they liked. And they saw that when he would pray, then he would go out and things would happen. You see, as long as you stay in the prayer closet, you can't stay in the prayer closet 24 hours a day. You go to the prayer closet and you pray and you get before God and you get his will and his plan and pray his word. And then you get up and you go out and things happen. You pray for the sick and they get healed. You share what Jesus has done in your life and someone gets born again. You share the love of Jesus for somebody who's down and out. You, you get taken by the Holy Spirit across the path of people that need Him at the right time, in the right way, you see. But see, they, those disciples, they looked at Jesus and they said, there's just something about him. He prays and then he goes out and things happen. Uh, get a clue, we can do it too. Amen. You see, they were hungry for what they saw happening in Jesus' life. And they looked at Jesus that day. You know, when he came out of prayer, and I'm sure that he had the anointing of God all over him, and he came out and they said, Lord, teach us to pray like that. Teach us how that we can pray and we can see things happen in our own life. 
You see, and we can learn something from that. We need to be hungry. for. And, and you know, when I say there's more uh, caught, you catch more uh, by being in prayer than just hearing somebody teach a, a sermon or a message. And it's really true. See, something was caught. Something was caught. They knew something was different. They knew that there was something missing in their own life. And they knew that prayer was a key to Jesus. You know, when Jesus would get into prayer, He would pray such things as, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. Then he would get to where Lazarus was and Lazarus had died and Lazarus was his friend. And he said, Lord, I know you've already heard me. And then he spoke a command and said, Lazarus, come forth. And then there was the uh, feeding of the multitudes with the, the fish and the loaves. And you see, Jesus walked with such power, but he was a man of prayer. And I'm going to tell you, it doesn't matter for me or for you, we're not going to be in a place of walking in God's power if we're not people of prayer. Lord, teach us to pray. And you know, that's what I want for this church because I know that God has such wonderful things for all of us in this body. You see, because when, when God uses us to reach the world and reach the community, it's not one or two people. It's all of us who participate in the prayer, in the offering, uh, uh, in, in provision, you know, in the sending forth. Whatever you do here and you're serving in the church and everything that you do, we're all a part of that. We're all a part of going to the world. And that's so very, very important. Amen? Amen? But here those disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Amen? Now I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter number 6. Are you all with me tonight? Amen. Jesus had a lot to say about prayer in, uh, in verse number 5 of chapter 6. And He said, And when you pray, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corner of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you that they have their reward. See, some people are like that. You know, they want to pray, and they want to pray this big flowering prayer and, you know, impress somebody. But you, let me tell you, that is not what prayer is all about. You may have somebody that is uneducated, that doesn't know beans from apple butter about spiritual things, but I'm telling you, they can be uh, uh, people that get in tune with God and see things happen. See, we're not trying to pre impress one another and certainly don't try to impress God. Why? How could we impress God? But he said, when you pray like that and you pray some dis a pr a prayer for display, you got your reward right then. In other words, you're not going to get any answers to your prayers. You're not going to see the breakthroughs that you want. But now listen to this. But thou, or in other words, you as God's uh, child, listen to this. When you pray, enter into your what? Closet. What is a closet? It is a place that is separated and pulled apart. You see, I, I tell you something. I, 
I didn't learn this at first when I started praying. And I can remember when we first started the church and I, I made a decision. You know, Eddie and I, we weren't going to work. That was real hard for me not to go out and get a job. I could have done it like that. I could have went back to the place that I had left, you know, before we went to California. I could have got a job without any problem. But um, we made a covenant before the Lord. We're not going to do And I see everybody can't do that that starts a church. That was God's word to us at that time. Don't go back to work in the work-a-day world, but you pull yourself apart with me. Dedicate yourself to this work, starting this church and doing what you're doing, and I'll bless you. And so that was real hard for me, but I said, okay. But then there were times... Uh, I, I set my clock and I say, okay, now I'm not, I don't have a job, so I don't have to be at work at eight o'clock like I've always had to be, but I'm going to be up. And when I get up, I'm going to go pray. And so I would get up and I would go pray, except I didn't listen to this. I didn't have a closet. And I'd walk all over my house and everywhere, you know, just praying, praying in the Spirit. Lord God, thank you for Redemption Church. I thank you, Lord, that those people are going to come in from the north, the south, the east, and the west. I thank you, Lord, we're going to be so winners, and here I'd go. And then all of a sudden, I'd look over, and there was my coffee table, and it would have dust on it. How many of you women know, you men, you probably don't care, but it really bothers me. Okay, and then so I, uh, well, okay, Lord, just excuse me a minute and go get my dust cloth and <laughs> dust everything off. And here I'd go and I'd go again and I'd look over here and it was like, well, I need to take that garbage out. I need to vacuum that floor. I need to do this. I need to do that. And you know what? I learned that I better get a closet, a place, a private place of prayer, because if I didn't, there were going to be so many distractions that I was not going to be able to be effective in prayer. So he said, go to your closet. Okay, guys, that seems real simple. Can we do it? Yeah, we can. We can find our place. Now, I, I'm not a per. I like to walk when I pray, so I need a bigger closet. <laughs> and that's just me. I don't know why I always walk. I just do. You know, if I sit down, it's, I don't know. I just, I just don't pray the same, you know. I got to get going. And so I like to walk around. And I'm going to tell you, I learned a long time ago. Now, I love to pray in this sanctuary. And I prayed in the old sanctuary, you know, which is now the children's sanctuary. And I cut all the lights off because if I don't, I start seeing, well, you know, they hadn't cleaned under these seats. And uh, why did they leave all this clutter out here? Here I go, you know. So all the lights are out. And you know what? I've got my little pad. And I can either keep it, you know, wherever I'm walking around, I keep that little pad. Okay, Father, I just thank you in the name of Jesus. I thank you that this marriage vow renewal, that you're going to do mighty things, that you're going to heal relationships, you're going to restore. And then here comes this little thought. Okay, all right, that might be important, so I just write it down, throw it back down. Okay, and then I keep going, and then there'll be something else. And it might be important stuff. I'm not saying, but you know, it's really funny. When I get to the end of my prayer time, off this comes, okay, take it in there, lay it on my desk, stick it in my Bible, whatever, come back the next day and look at it and think, well, that's ridiculous. I'm not going to do that. Well, yeah, I need to do that. I need to take care of that. You see, that's distractions. Distractions can come even when you're in your prayer closet in the place that where you can pray. But you make a way. And see, I'm, I'm teaching you something there that has really helped me through the years that I've had to learn. Because if I didn't, you know what would happen? 
my thought, whatever, whatever I, I should have written down on a paper but didn't, the thought that came to me, my mind would get distracted from prayer and I'd start going that way. I'd start thinking about that. Well, yeah, you need to talk to so-and-so and we need to do this and we need to take care of that for that service or whatever. Well, you see, if I've written it on that paper, I don't have to think about it anymore until it's time to think about it. And so you, you really need to, to, you know, if you're like me. Now, some people, you know, maybe you don't get distracted in that way. But, you know, when you're involved in a lot of things, maybe your family, your children, you know, your job and, and different things like that, and you go into prayer, you might have a thought that is a good thought. And if you write it down, then you will remember it and you will take care of it. And you don't have to think through your, the rest of your prayer time, I can't forget, I can't forget. The devil will load you up with stuff. You know that. He'll load you up with distractions. I like to call it fatal distractions. Fatal distractions. That's exactly what it is. And it will kill your prayer life. It is fatal. And there are dis distractions that come so you can do away with them in that. You listening to me? Yes. But you, is he talking to me and you? He said, you're not like the hypocrites, the ones that pray for, uh, to get attention. He said, but you, my people, my children, when you pray, enter into your closet. Have that private place of prayer. And when you have shut your door, pray to your Father which is in secret that the Father which seeth in secret shall reward you openly. Now, I want us to look at something. It says, and when you shut the door... See, you have, to, you have to on purpose shut the door. Even when you enter into your prayer closet, I'm not talking about a physical door. I'm talking about doors left open in your mind, your thinking, that are the fatal distractions that we were talking about a moment ago. You have to close the door. You have to close the door on cares. You have to close the door on worries. You have to close the door on responsibilities. You have to close the doors on different things in your life. Now, am I advocating that you don't take care of your children, that you don't take care of your husband or your wife or your responsibilities on a job? No, I'm not talking about that. But I'm saying when it's time to enter the prayer closet, that you enter the prayer closet and leave all that other stuff out because guess Guess what? It's going to be there. It's not going anywhere. But you need to leave it out. If you want to be a better mother, a better father, a better husband, a better wife, a better employee, a better employer, go into your closet and shut your door. Amen. You're going to be better. And I'm telling you, there, there are times when you go into your prayer closet and there's some things that I want to tell you that we need to pray about. We need to pray about being more Christ-like. We need to pray for the fruit of the Holy Spirit to be in our life. We need to pray that we grow and develop in the love of God. You see, many times we go into our prayer closet and we close the door. My God, I want the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I want to be a miracle worker. I want to see people healed. Is there anything wrong with that? No. But I tell you what we're not doing many times is we're not allowing the nature and character of Jesus Christ to be developed in our own life so that we can go out and be the one who sees miracles and healings and those kinds of things. You see, we don't need miracles for ourselves. We need miracles for this hurting world. We don't need healing 
all the time for ourselves, but we need to see people healed in this world, physically, emotionally. I mean, this world is a mess. And if we can allow the nature of Jesus Christ to be developed and grow in that. And you see, we need, Lord, I just ask you, the fruit of the Holy Spirit that I see here, the love, the joy, the patience, the long-suffering, the gentleness, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness. Lord, let that, let that be developed in my life. Lord, develop me in those areas. Lord, let your nature become more formed in my life. Let Christ be formed in me. Lord, help me not to be hateful. Help me not to be selfish and self-centered and always thinking about myself. But help me be Christ-like. You see, when you get in that prayer closet, it is not, and close that door. I'm telling you, folks, it is not all about what you need and your finances and your house and your car and your children, even though those are good things to pray for. So don't hear me saying don't pray about them. Everything has a place. But I'm telling you, if we want to be more in tune with God then we need to go into that prayer closet and let God shape and mold us. You remember the potter's wheel? And you remember uh, that uh, uh, when one form was put upon that potter's wheel, that it was, it was shaped and molded. And see, that's what happens to us. When we go into our prayer closet, we can allow the Holy Spirit, the power of God to shape and mold our lives. You know, I don't want to be one year from today the way I am today. I want Christ to be more formed in me then than now. And you know, sometimes I'm going to tell you something that may shock you. Sometimes we think we're further along in in that walk with the Lord and having His uh, character developed in our life than what we really are. And you know what? When you get in that prayer closet, sometimes God can hold the mirror up and He might can show you some things about yourself. You see, what we can't do is sling the door open and run out. We need to allow God, keep the door closed, stay in there with God. You know, sometimes learning about yourself can be painful. Did you know that? Learning uh, some things about yourself can be painful. But you know, the, the whole thing of it is many times other people see it, but we just can't see it about them, ourselves. Well, we can see it in everybody else. You remember the guy that walked around, you know, and had the little moat in his eye, you know, and, and this, here was this guy with this big beam sticking out of his eye, and he was quick to say, well, now you got a little speck in your eye, but he could never see that he had this big beam, and everywhere he was going, he was hitting people and knocking them out of the way. He couldn't see that about himself, but everybody else could see the beam that was in his eye. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to reveal and show some things about ourselves. Amen. Okay, so he said, and when you shut the door, pray to the Father which is in secret. Now I'm going to tell you, I just don't seem to be able to find God. Where is God? in the secret place, in your secret place. Now, we know God is everywhere, and you can talk to God all the time. But he's saying if God feels like he's a million miles away from you, go into your prayer closet 
and he will meet you there. He will meet you there. Jesus and God the Father and the Holy Spirit are in the secret place. And he's waiting for us. He's beckoning and he's calling for us. Amen? Amen. So we can find him in the secret place. And he's waiting for us. Amen? I like, I like to think about this. You know, sometimes we just think, well, you know, I, if I go into prayer, you know, I've got, it's got to be this strong, fervent prayer, and there's a place for that. But you know what? You don't have to be strong or fervent in your prayer. All you have to do is go into your closet and close the door, and you can say, what a day. God help me. And you know what? He will. That's not praying in tongues violently. Do I believe in violent prayer? You better believe it. Gordon Lindsay said this. He said, every Christian ought to pray one violent prayer every day. What does that mean? The violent take it by force. No, devil, you're not going to do that to me. I'm standing on the promises that says, by Jesus stripes, I am healed and you're not doing it to me. Violence. Well, God, I, I just thank you that by your stripes I'm here. Get violent. So there's a place for violent prayers. But then there's some times where you just got to climb up in God's lap, if you know what I mean. Sometimes things can be overwhelming in life. Sometimes things don't go the way that you think that they should. And you need to go in and be with the Father because He'll meet you in the secret place and He'll reveal Himself to you there. He'll reveal His strength. He'll reveal His power. He'll reveal His hiding place under the shadow of the Most High. In other words, you know, there are times I remember when I was a kid and I would get really afraid. And I don't know, you know, this is being a, a little girl, this is all I thought that my dad could work wonders and do miracles. And if I was ever afraid, all I had to do was run to my dad and just grab hold of his leg there and he would save me and he would protect me. Well, you know that our father is greater than our, the way that we've looked at our earthly father if we've looked at our earthly father that way. God has a hiding place for you and he will keep you there and he will help you gain the strength to get back up and get in this game called life if you find yourself in a place where you're depleted. I want to talk to you tonight. Some of you, I know where you are. I know where you are in your walk with God. You're stagnant, you're stale, and you're on your way out the back door. And I'm going to tell you, don't go that way. You run to the Father's secret place. You get in that closet, you close the door, and don't you come out until you know that you know that you know that your heart is surrendered to the Lord. I tell you, this is the last days. This is the end times. It is too serious what is going on in the world today. I'm telling you, Jesus is coming very soon. And you don't want to be on the outside looking in. You say, you're trying to scare me? Yes, I am. I tell you what, because I'm, I'm afraid. There's... Any of us, we could find ourselves in that position of Jesus coming back and we are left out. I don't want to go there. 
If you've ever lived for Jesus, you live for Him now. If you've ever been a person of prayer, you be one now. Amen? So we can see here then that Jesus, Father, is in that secret place and He will meet you there. Amen? Now I want to tell you tonight that God has invested in us authority. And through this authority that God has invested in us as people of prayer, that we can change destinies, we can change history, we can change the events that happen in the world. But there's got to be people that rise up to the occasion and they've got to be people who are armed with the Spirit of God, not just the Spirit alone, but the Word. The Word and the Spirit agree. We've got to put the Word of God in our mouth. I'm thinking about a man in the Bible named Jeremiah. And you remember Jeremiah? And God spoke to him one day. Jeremiah looked like a weakling. Jeremiah was being persecuted by the king and everybody else. And it looked, you know, they'd put him in stocks and then they'd throw him in the prison. But God said, I have put my word in your mouth and you speak what I tell you to speak. You get in your prayer closet and you begin to speak what God tells you to speak. You may look like a weakling just like Jeremiah did. But God said, how is the authority released? I put my word in your mouth. You've got to get God's word in your mouth. You can go around saying all kinds of things like you're some big shot. But I'm going to tell you, in the kingdom of God, the only way that you have any clout, the only way that you can change history and destinies is by the Word of God. When you start seeing things in this country going the way that they're going now, how can the child of God not run to God in the prayer closet? How can we not? But you see, we can be like Jeremiah. God has put His Word in our mouth. They might try to put us in prison. They might try to stop us from saying what thus saith the Lord, but they cannot stop us. I want you to look with me over here to Jeremiah 33. It's a good good example of what Jeremiah did when they tried to shut him up. And they're trying to shut the church up today. Jeremiah 33. Now listen to this. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah the second time while he was yet, listen to this, shut up in the court of the prison saying, God came to him in prison when it looked like he was a weakling, when it looked like what God had said was not coming to pass. He came back to Jeremiah in the prison and he said this, Thus saith the Lord, the maker thereof, the Lord that formed it to establish it, the Lord is His name. In other words, if you're wondering who's talking, it's God. Call unto me and I will answer you. Well, I'm in prison. I'm in stocks and I can't get out. He said, call unto me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things which you know not. I want to tell you something. You go into your secret place. You allow God to teach you to pray and He will lead you right into this place. You'll begin to call upon the Lord and He will show you things that are great and that are mighty. What are these mighty things? Remarkable secrets. 
which you know not of. In other words, you don't have a natural understanding. You can't just see it. You have to go into that secret place with God. It's subliminally hidden. The world can't see it. The world can try to find it and the world can't see it, but you go into your secret place of prayer. You call upon the Lord when things are not going right for you, when things you're having a difficult time, and He will show you great, remarkable secrets that are hidden from this world and He'll bring them to light for you. Doesn't that sound like 1 Corinthians 14? It says when you pray in the Spirit, you pray divine what? Mysteries and secrets. People that pray, God shows them things. I'm talking about people that are spiritual. I'm not talking about flakes. There are some people that are just flaky. And until they get that flakiness out of them, they're not going to be stable Christians. Well, God told me to do this and God told me to do that. And, and, and tomorrow it'll be something else and the next day something else. I don't have time for that. And I don't want people doing that with me. And if God shows you something and you're a person of prayer, I want to hear that. You know, if, if it's for, you know, something that God wants you to share with me. But I don't want to hear that flaky stuff. And, you know, I just want to say sometimes when people do that, of course, I, I try to be kind, Joanne, but sometimes it's just not... Not easy to say, you're a flake, and I don't believe that. <laughs> you say, that's mean. Well, I'm sure that it could be mean if you were just that direct, but there's too many people that say that God's showing them something when God's not showing them. But God does show, so we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. He does show secrets. He does show mysteries. He does show things that are hidden from the common gaze of man and even other Christians because they don't go to that place because they don't enter into a speaking out of their mouth a word that God has given us in this book. But there's a place that you can go in prayer. But I guess what I'm wanting to, to tell you is this. Destiny can be changed. Your city can be changed. Your nation can be changed. The world can be changed. We don't have to accept everything. Now, we know Jesus is coming. We know the signs that are going to happen. But he said at the same time that the darkness is coming in, there's going to be a great light that arises. And honey, you and I are the great lights. We are the lights because Jesus is in us and He is the light of the world. And so we can rise up and we can uh, counteract the devil. See, God said, occupy till I come. And sometimes Christians just want to go sit down in the easy chair of life. But you can't do that. You are to occupy till He comes. And then we can see these things change, just like Jeremiah. God said, Jeremiah, I put my word in your mouth. And he said, don't be afraid of their faces. When you stand up to boldly proclaim the word of God, and you, you don't have to do it in front of a bunch of people. You just do it in your prayer closet. The devil will try to intimidate you out of it. Jesus said, don't be afraid of their faces. Don't be afraid of devil faces. Don't be afraid of political faces. Don't be afraid of anybody face. And then he said, I've sent you to tear down, to uproot. Intercessors uproot and they tear down. 
But then what did he say to do? Leave it like that and leave everything a mess? No, he said plant. See, we plant. What do we plant? The Word. The principles of God. That's what we plant. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor Nora King. If you'd like to contact us, you can visit us online at redemptionchurch.com. We'll see you back here next week for another powerful message from Pastor Nora.